Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. Luke chapter 1 is our text. It is my honor to be here. My name is Tyler Burns, and I am your cousin from North Florida, um, where it is um, a little bit warmer than here, maybe? A few degrees. I'm sure it's snowing there, too. Um, I wouldn't know. I'm kidding. It's not snowing. It hasn't snowed in years. Um, But I love the opportunity to get here and hang with you, and I just want to Uh, Thank Pastor Eric Parks for inviting me and the entire team here. Can we give it up for uh, Pastor Parks, the entire team? It is always my honor to be here, and it's a rare treat uh, that I get to be here today with my wife um, and not my kids. And the church said, y'all good, y'all okay with me. Uh, My wife, Mylena, is here. Babe, can you stand? Can we give it up for my wife, Mylena? She's absolutely incredible. She is my rock, and uh, she prayed for me right before I got up here, and I sense um, that the Lord did meet her in that prayer. Amen? Uh, Luke chapter 1, I'm just going to read verses 46 and 47, and then we'll get into the word. Verses 46 and 47 says this, And Mary said, My soul glorifies, or in some translations you'll hear, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Will you pray with me? God, your kingdom come, your will be done at Forest City as it is in heaven. We want nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. And all God's children said, well, church, I have to admit to you, it would be an understatement to say I love a good story. Who in here loves a good story? And I love a dramatic story. I love a story that captivates me. But my favorite medium for receiving and intaking those stories is not books, although I love books. It's not podcasts, although I've devoted much of my life to producing those. It's not even those Marvel movies or comic book movies, although I'm a comic book fanatic. I love all those things. My favorite medium for receiving stories is a film genre called documentaries. Does anybody else love documentaries? Some of y'all are like, listen, it don't have a twist. There's no VFX. There's no CGI. Unless there's that, unless there's somebody shooting somebody else or somebody hugging and kissing somebody else, unless there's tears, unless there's laughs. I need a roller coaster ride. And I respect that. I love all movie genres. But the truth of the matter is I love documentaries because you get a chance to hear the story behind the story. I love the fact that we're existing in life, walking through life, and there are subtexts and sub-stories that we couldn't even imagine that are happening with all of us. And if all of us had the budget to be able to tell our stories, we would hear so many different stories beneath the broader story that we're a part of. And I've been on this trek to watch all the famous documentaries, all the documentaries that have received Academy Awards or Oscars. And so I've been going through each of them, and some of them I already know that that are some of my favorites. My favorite all-time documentary, I didn't even tell First Service this, so clearly you're special. Um, My favorite documentary is actually a four-hour documentary called Hoop Dreams. And it's about these two. You know what I'm talking about. It's about these uh, two young men who are trying to make it into the NBA. It's absolutely incredible. It seems like it's a long time, but it goes by so quickly. It chronicles and tracks their lives as they go through specific areas of the basketball world, specific areas of their personal lives. It has a very unvarnished, sometimes uncomfortable look at life, even in their situation. 
But as I've been going through these different documentaries, I came across one recently that captivated me and filled me with joy and emotion. It's a documentary entitled 20 Feet from Stardom. And it talks about, it's about 90 minutes of the most captivating story you can probably have. And it's 90 minutes about the unheralded position of background vocalists. You know, those people who back up some of your favorite singers and artists, those who kind of slink in the background, those whom the spotlight does not shine upon. And it features interviews with icons such as Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles and Luther Vandross and Mick Jagger and Bruce Springsteen and, and, and Sting and all kinds of different people. And, and they're talking about this, though, from the perspective of the background vocalist. And so I got to be introduced to people I had never heard of before because people laud and applaud those who are frontline singers and artists and stars and celebrities, but they don't always talk about the background singer. And and this documentary even preached to me because it showed me that just because you don't have the spotlight doesn't mean you're not called to do something. Just because you're not in the, the glory and the limelight doesn't mean you're not talented because they would say that many of these people are just as talented as some of your favorite singers. That you still have a role to do. You still have purpose. You still have meaning, even if you don't have the center stage mic. I love that. But I was also moved because these background vocalists, uh, women like Donna Love and Judith Hill and Linda Fisher, they were very honest about their experiences. They got to be able to tell their own story. And this doesn't often happen. They got to tell their story the way they wanted to tell their story. I love that. I also love the fact that many of them were PKs, and I'm a recovering PK, so you know I'm a recovering pastor's kid. It's the truth. And I realized how many of them got their start in their first training in church. And this is, it, it, it's no shock that they were great, because how many of you know that sometimes, you know, the church world can be a little bit harder on you even than the mainstream music industry? I'll never forget my first time singing a solo, Easter, seven years old, thinking I was killing it. Then all of a sudden, in a pause, I heard, help him, Lord. (laughs) I know it seems like encouragement. It is not. You don't want to hear, help him, Lord, while you're singing. Bless his heart. That's a red flag. (laughs) But the name 20 Feet from Stardom, it comes from this interview within the context of the documentary from rock icon Bruce Springsteen. And he says, the gap between the front and the background It's only 20 feet, but that gap sometimes can feel like a chasm. He said, sometimes there are people who are in the gap, who are behind the spotlight, who are in the background, and they can't accept the fact, their ego cannot take the fact that they're not standing in front. And so they struggle being in the background. He says, but some people accept the fact that the glory is right here, but they're just close enough yet so far away from the glory. He said the people who can accept their role are the ones who thrive. The glory is in front of them, and they're close enough to the glory, but it is just far away from them. As I was listening to Bruce Springsteen talk about this and the others that were sharing their stories, I started to consider and think, what if this is how Mary felt when she sang her song? What if Mary could feel the glory inside of her, but yet she was still confused about what God had called her to do? What if when Mary sang about being the mother of the Messiah, 
What, what would have happened if Mary had not have accepted the role that God had given to her? What would have happened if Mary had sang a different song? What would have happened if Mary tried to be a soloist? What would have happened if Mary had tried to be the center of everything? What would have happened? But Mary declares and sings a new song unto God. There's something special about songs. The psalmist sings songs of times of success and times of great suffering. The psalmist tells us an unvarnished look, gives us an unvarnished look at life following the creator. Many of us know the power of songs, but there's something also special, not just about the songs that we sing, but the new song that we live. Mary does something. She sings a song, and in verse 46, she says that my soul magnifies or glorifies the Lord. Maybe Mary understood and grasped the fact that God had called her to do something, and that's why she was able to thrive. Maybe that's why she was able to sing this new song, but I'm getting ahead of myself because we're in a new series called Songs of Advent. The word Advent is special. The word Advent means arrival. Everybody say Advent. It means the first coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It means that after an intertestamental period of 400, roughly 400 years, that from the prophet Malachi to the opening of Matthew, where the promised child was declared, that there was silence, seemingly, of what God was saying, that they were waiting for the fruition, the the, the promises that they had made of a coming Messiah and Redeemer and Liberator to come to pass. And, And how many know sometimes it's the hardest part between the promise and the realization of the promise? That's really the hardest part. And many of us in different stages of our lives find ourselves in between trying to wait patiently with expectation for God to come through. Is anybody honest enough to admit that's been me before? Is anyone real honest and you're saying that's actually me right now? Waiting in between in the Advent is the arrival of God. Because as they used to teach me in the Southern Black Church, he may not come when you want him to. But he's always on time. Some of y'all are churchy. And the Advent shows us that God arrives exactly when he needs to. Mary begins to sing a song in Luke chapter 1. It's a song that has been named by the church the Magnificat, which literally means the magnifying of God, that she sings a song of God's majesty and sings that song in a way that only she can. I believe that Mary can teach us some things in this text. I believe that Mary can teach us some things in this song of Advent. I want to share just three of them with you, and then I'll release you back into the cold so you can enjoy your brunch. Mary, first of all, teaches us, pay attention, that nobody has to sing alone. Nobody has to sing alone. There's something interesting that happens when Mary is visited by the angel Gabriel. It's interesting that Mary is visited by an angel, and the angel says, do not fear, do not be troubled, because angels, while they have been domesticated in our modern society, probably are pretty terrifying. Angels are probably not standing there with herbal essence hair and the spotlight, like a ring light on them. That's probably not how them angels look. Angels probably have multiple arms and legs and eyes and heads and all kinds of different things. And the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, listen, here's what's going to happen. You're going to bear the Messiah. Mary says, pause, one moment. That doesn't make any sense. I'm engaged to be married, but we haven't, you know, 
done the process to make sure that there would be a child yet. And so this doesn't sound right. And so the angel Gabriel tells her, he says, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is going to come to you. Have you ever heard something from God that may have sounded good later, but in the moment it didn't make sense? What, what that mean? That's how I talk to God. I'm sorry. What does that mean, Savior? What is going to happen? How are you going to make this work? It doesn't make any sense to me. And, and, and I found that sometimes God chooses to do things that don't make sense because if we knew how he was going to do it, we'd sabotage the process beforehand. God will often keep some of the key details separate from us and from us so we don't try to do it in our own strength. We have a way of meddling in God's business. And Mary hears this, but doesn't hear how it's going to turn out, doesn't hear all these things. She just hears this. And then, I love this, the Bible is so rich, if you will slow down and read it, the angel includes something that doesn't really make sense. Look at verse 36, Luke chapter 1. He says, you know what? This is the Burns translation. You're not going to see this on the screen. You know what? Your kinfolk, Elizabeth, Liz, she's going to have a child too. And you know she old. I told you, read the text. Like, it's right there, pretty much. Let me read it originally. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. The angel throws in just a little piece of information that makes me ask the question, why would he say that to her? Especially if she's in her six months, she's going to be showing by now. I mean, come on. Like, why would he just, you know, eventually she's going to find out. Or maybe the angel said, Mary, this is going to be a hard word for you. So let me put you in community with someone who's going through the same thing you are. Because nobody has to sing alone. Notice, Mary didn't even start singing until she got around Elizabeth. Mary didn't have a confirmation of God's word until she stepped in proximity to someone who was going through the same thing she was. And isn't this the church that talks about life together? Maybe the confirmation you're looking for doesn't come from a pastor or a preacher or a bishop or a great singer or a prophet or someone who has great keen insight into the word. Maybe your confirmation comes from your neighbor who's sitting on the same row you are on. Maybe the word that you need to hear isn't from me. Maybe the word you need to hear is in your ear in the lobby when you give that person a hug. Maybe the confirmation you're looking for is a rightly fit, rightly timed text message to someone that confirms everything you've been going through because nobody has to sing alone. And Gabriel says, he says this, he says, you know, Elizabeth is pregnant. He didn't tell her to go. But Mary is wise. Mary decides that she is going to go. And, and, and so verse 39 says that at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home. And you remember Zechariah was the one that was quiet because he didn't believe in the word. So Elizabeth had the most peaceful pregnancy of any woman in history because Zechariah was silent. Amen. 
And she greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, I love this, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Picture this. Elizabeth gets in the proximity of Mary, gets in the vicinity of Mary, gets in the same room as Mary, and something that is within her leaps. And here's this. Mary has the same reaction because Elizabeth uses the Spirit of God to encourage her. Do you realize that sometimes what we're thinking is that God has to give us a personal word that confirms everything that we're believing or hoping for? And sometimes when you get in the company of a brother or a sister or a sibling in Christ, what you end up finding is that the very word of confirmation is actually found in what is inside of them. What comes alive in them comes alive in you. I love the fact that we don't have to do this life alone. I love the fact that we don't have to just figure it out on our own. I love the fact that we are in a community, but so many of us believe we have to sing by ourselves. Elizabeth says, no, no, no. In a loud voice, it says, verse 42, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, again, if you skim this very quickly, you won't see that Elizabeth is not just making random statements. Elizabeth is is doing high-level theology. Because notice what she says. She says in verse 43 that Mary is the mother of my Lord. And she says in verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then we find out in verse 41 that the spirit of God comes on the inside of her. So Elizabeth is pointing to the full Godhead in one sentence. Elizabeth says, the Lord is up there. The Lord is inhabiting me and the Lord is in you. Do you see how powerful this is? She's literally, she's literally speaking to the triunity of God. Whoo. Do you realize that your words have power? Do you realize that your words matter? Do you realize that your words can encourage your neighbor? Do you realize that your words can give somebody hope even if they didn't have any on their own? Nobody has to sing alone. And Mary and Elizabeth are in the same situation, but it's different. Mary is too young. Elizabeth is too old, which proves that the generations need each other too. That just because you're young and just because we have all of the knowledge and access to knowledge in our fingertips doesn't mean we don't need somebody to grab our ear and pull us to the side and say, hey, let me, let me give you something that I've experienced that maybe you don't know about. And it also means that even though we have experienced so many things decades and decades with Christ, that there's something special about seeing a young man or a young woman invigorating you with the energy you need to keep going because they have so much hope and faith and optimism. Nobody has to sing alone. And that's one thing that Mary shows us, but that's not the only thing because Mary begins to break out in this song. Mary in verse 46, she says, my soul glorifies the Lord, magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, I love this. Verse 48 says, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. One translation says, the lowliness of his servant. 
from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Pay attention to verse 49. For the mighty one has done great things. What's those next two words? Y'all got to say it like you actually mean it. Be confident. Next two words? For me. For me. Ooh, I love these two words. These five letters are powerful. She says, the mighty one has done great things for me. And then she says, holy is his name. So this is the second thing I think Mary can teach us. Number one, nobody has to sing alone. Number two, everybody can testify of what God has done. Ooh, I love this. Because Mary makes a shift. Again, if you're reading quickly, you won't catch this. But if you slow down enough to read, you'll see Mary is not simply praising God for who he is. And that's important because how many of you know we could spend all year praising God and all eternity praising God just for who he is? You do realize this, right? That the character and the attributes of God are so powerful that there's no reason why we should ever have to leave it. The love of God is everlasting. This means that his love isn't just a choice he makes on a daily basis that maybe one day he won't make. No, the love of God is not a choice. The love of God is his character. God doesn't choose to love you. God is love. He has no choice but to. God is love. His love is everlasting. Not only that, God is gracious. That means he has unmerited favor towards us. That means that even when you don't deserve it, God will give you blessings. God is also merciful, which means that he doesn't give us what we do deserve. The justice of God and the mercy of God sit on opposite ends of the spectrum. God is just and God is also merciful, not giving you what you deserve. God is omniscient, which means he knows all things. God is omnipotent, which means he's outside of time, but he created time so we can step in time and still be on time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is omnipotent. He's great. He's majestic. He's awesome. We could praise him for who he is. But Mary doesn't stop there. Woo. Mary, y'all bear with me here. You know, this is how I preach. Y'all are laughing. I'm like, this, I get excited about this thing. You know what Mary does? Mary praises God not just for who he is. Mary says, that's incomplete. I praise God for what he has done for me. And if there's one thing I love about my roots, my upbringing in the Black Southern Pentecostal Church, I love my roots. They taught me this word called testimony. And some of y'all know when you have testimony service, it's a little bit of a risk. You know, sometimes some people might get a little excited and share something they should have kept between them and God. I know, you know, I didn't need to know that. We didn't need to know really what you were struggling with. You could have kept it general, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes it'll be a little tricky, but, but I love the testimony service because people would come up and grab the mic and they would start to testify of the things that God has done for them. And sometimes you don't know what people are going through. Sometimes they may look a certain way on the outside, but they don't look like what they've been through. And because they're looking a certain way on the outside, you assume they've had everything together and you start to realize, oh, they have a testimony and a story just like me. And people would, and people would stand up and they would start talking about the times in which they got a bad report from the doctor. Because, you know, that's how we say it, right? We don't say what it is. We just say we got a bad report from the doctor. And they say, you know what? I prayed, and people came, and they prayed for me. And I stand before you today to tell you I'm healed. And everybody would scream and shout, and the band would And, you know, we do that thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to do it for you because y'all get scared. But, you know, the interesting thing is they keep going. 
And then they would say, you know what? There was a time where I didn't have any money in the bank. I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. And people would say, miraculously, someone blessed me with enough money because they would say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. And then they would talk about how at one point they hated their parents or they hated their children, but God is a great restorer and reconciler. So they brought them back together because God is a restorer and a reconciler. And they would talk and talk and share and share. And here's the thing. If we had testimony service here today at the 11 o'clock service of Forest City Church and I went around and we passed the mic around, we could be here for the rest of the year, the rest of this young year, talking about how awesome it is that God has done great things for you. Don't miss the power of God doing things for you. And sometimes we can want dramatic testimonies. Sometimes we can want testimonies that are fancy. Sometimes we can want those testimonies that should be a made-for-TV movie. Sometimes we can want those testimonies that I dodged six bullets and then I did the Matrix thing. And when I looked up while I was doing the Matrix thing, an angel was like, turn. (laughs) But let me tell you something, church. I know you're going to think I don't have anything dramatic about me. Listen, let me tell you something. I don't know you, but you're a miracle. You know how I know you're a miracle? Because you woke up this morning. You had the ability to come to church. You had the ability to worship God with other believers. You chose to come to the company of believers in 2023 when people don't believe in this thing called Christianity anymore. You decided... And one day, God touched you and brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love how the old saints used to say, they used to say, you don't know, like I know, what the Lord has done for me. Is that anybody's testimony today? That if I had the mic, I could share with you for months of all the things God has done. And listen, everybody can testify of what he's done for you. Everyone. I'm here to tell somebody here, who is not a believer in Jesus, who came because someone dragged him and said, yo, they got good donuts at this church, come. Donuts been looking good. I haven't been able to eat one, so save one for me. I know you may think that you're here for the food. I know you may think you're here for the worship. I know you may think, ah, well, you know, it's something to do on on a Sunday morning. No, even you can testify of what God has done for you. God is good not just to his children. Not just to the people who believe and worship him. God is even good to those who don't. Everybody can testify of what God has done. That's not the only thing. Mary continues on and she keeps singing. I love this. Mary begins to sing in greater detail of what God has done. And Mary starts to sing and testify on the behalf of those who are not present to sing with her. Because it's one thing if God blesses us. It's another thing if God blesses other people the same way he blessed us. Verse 50 says, God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. I love this, verse 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. That's both terrifying and comforting. He scattered those who are proud, but some of us have thoughts of pride even if we don't say it out loud. He says he scattered those people who deep down on the inside have an ego. He says he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. This is an example of what people call the upside down kingdom of God. 
Simply put, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Those who think of themselves and try to exalt themselves will be brought low. Those who don't think of themselves will be exalted. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The kingdom of God is upside down. And then she keeps going in verse 53. She says, he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich, the people who think they have everything that they need. He sent them away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. What is Mary saying? I believe Mary is telling us, number one, nobody has to sing alone. Number two, everybody can testify of what God has done. And you know what number three is? God can favor anybody. God can favor anybody. I'm going to say it again. God can favor anybody. Look at somebody around you say, even you. I'm serious. Y'all do what I say. Look at somebody around you say, even you. Somebody needs to know on your row that no matter what they've gone through, God can still favor them. God can still love them. God can still show up for them. In the movie 20 Feet from Stardom, there's this really awesome part where this woman, Donna Love, she's been treated poorly by the music industry. She's gotten to the place where she has had songs that she's written. And she's had moments where she was really special and even sang the track, but, but they dubbed it over someone else's lips. So she ghost sang the song and didn't get credit. She was so frustrated and angry with the music industry. I, it's so funny, I was talking to Gabe about this in between services because we both love this documentary. And it was this powerful moment that we both were able to point to where Donna is actually doing a different job. She decides to leave the industry altogether. She decides to turn her back on her calling, her gifting. She's so talented. She's so gifted. She's so awesome at what she does. But she decides it's too much pain. I have to, I have to go and do something else because they want me to be someone else. They want me to do something else. And she decides I can't take it anymore. And she's doing her regular job that she decides she's going to go back to. And, and she's not any good at it. She's not any good at it. She's just doing it just to do it, doing it just to get by. And then she's in the room with her client and something happens. There's a radio in the room. And she's talking to her client and she's doing work. And then all of a sudden a song comes on on the radio. And would you know that a song she wrote and she sang came on the radio? And she had a realization because she paused and looked at the radio, looked at her client, looked back at her hands, and she said, you know what? God has called me to do something more than this. And she says something so powerful and so overwhelming that I hope the people of God will hear. She says, I just need to be me. I just need to be me. I just need to do what I have been put on this earth to do. Church, I'm here to tell you that regardless of your situation, regardless of where you've come from, regardless of what you did this week, regardless of what you have or don't have, regardless of how qualified you think you are, regardless of how much pain you've endured in your story, God can favor you. Just how you are, right where you are, in the middle of your situation, 
God can favor you. It doesn't matter if people disfavor you. God can favor you. It doesn't matter if people say you have no business living. God can favor you. It doesn't matter if people look down on you because of what you struggle with. God can favor you. Listen, it doesn't matter if you've been in church for 50 years. It doesn't matter if you open up the doors and you've got an elder or pastor or deacon in front of your name. God can still favor you. And I'm here to tell you, if you've never heard this message of Jesus before, and this is the first time you've been in church, because again, I just need a place to get some good donuts on this snowy morning. God can favor you too. I came all the way up 991 miles from Pensacola, Florida to look for a city in the eye and to build your faith and to say that the God of the universe who created the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxy, and the universe, that God has decided to favor you. And I'm here to tell somebody there's hope for you today. There's hope for you today. Do you believe it? There's hope for you today, church, that I know you feel like it's overwhelming, but God can favor you. Can you bow your heads all across this place? I feel led. I felt led in the first service, and I feel led again today in this service too. Pray for some people who feel overwhelmed, discouraged, despondent, disappointed, depressed. Carrington, can you come up here? You come up here and sing that. And if you're here with eyes closed and heads bowed, if you're here and you're saying, hey, I feel overwhelmed, I feel overcome, I feel discouraged, I just need some prayer because I don't know if I always believe that God can favor me. If that's you, I just want you to do me a favor because I want to pray for you. Can you lift up your hand all across this place? Lift up your hand. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. I thank you for your honesty, your vulnerability. Can I challenge you to do one more thing? It's daring, it's bold. Can you stand up right now where you are? If you've raised your hand, can you stand up? Stand to your feet. I want to see you. I want to look in your eyes. And I'm looking at everyone across this room. And here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a diversity of stories and genders and socioeconomic backgrounds and ethnicities. And you probably all aren't struggling with the same thing, but I'm here to tell you, God favors you. God sees the humble state that you're in, what Mary said. And he's gonna do mighty things on your behalf. How do we know this? Because that's his character. So can I get everyone in here to lift up your hands? If you're standing, lift up your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I'm going to pray for you, but first, I just want you to receive the love of God. That's it. I just want you to receive the love of God. Keep your eyes closed. Just receive the love of God. Even if you're saying, hey, all I can do, all I know to say is, God, I receive your love. I just want you to say that. Say, God, I receive your love. Come on, keep saying it, even if you don't believe it. Keep saying it. Yes. God can meet you right here, right now. The Spirit is in this room. And God, right now, I come before you, petitioning you as your servant, and I say, God, would you touch those who have had the bravery, the boldness, the audacity to stand up 
and to say, I need prayer. I need a visitation from the Spirit of God. I need the presence of God to abide with me. God, I even feel in the Spirit broken hearts, shattered dreams, souls that need even an encouragement from you. I sense it in this room, and God, I pray right now that you would do a mighty work that only you can do. I pray that they would begin to feel your presence and your power. But God, it's not just about the feeling because the feelings may come and go. I pray that you would give them strength to believe in your character, strength to have faith in you, strength to have confidence in who you are, strength to have the power to believe even when they don't feel like believing because you are the one who favors. You are the one who can do even things that we think are impossible. So God, we thank you and we pray for you in faith and the people who are sitting, even God, join our faith with the ones who are standing. And we say, God, would you do a mighty work for my neighbor? Would you do a mighty work for my brother, my sister? And so we give you glory and honor and praise, oh God. Before we close out this service, hey, I'm gonna challenge you to do something. You don't have to do this, but um, I don't know if we have anybody from the prayer team. I just sense that some people need to lay some of these burdens down. So if you're part of the prayer team, can you come up to the front? I'll be down here as well. Um, I just want you to actually come to the front if you really need that prayer. And if you need somebody to pray and believe with you, the altar is open. And before I transition this over to Carrington, I just want to say the altar will be open for you. And if you need prayer, we'll be down here praying for you. Because I just sense that there's some people who really, really need to lay some of this down and need to trust God for it. So God, even as we prepare to transition out, God, we thank you for how you show up. In the way you've shown up for Mary, God, you will show up for us. And so God, we pray right now that the people of God will feel encouraged to be in community. Nobody has to sing alone. We pray that the people of God would testify of your goodness. And we pray that the people of God would know that they are favored by you. Because of your son, Jesus, because of the one who invaded time and space, we have favor with God the Father. And we say, thank you, Lord. 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 It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Come on, put your hands together if you believe that is true, church. Now, can you give God a hand of praise for what he did in this room today? Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on.